This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to Green and White, the weekly Argyle Life podcast. Uh, as you've noticed, Nick sounds rather different this week. He's um, got a bad cold and he's uh, he's uh, decided not to talk quite so posh as what he normally does. I'm joking, of course. It's Sam hosting this week. Nick's not currently available. Uh, with us tonight, we have Adam. Hello. And we have Finn. And I'm not going to record another in, uh, intro, so we cannot edit that out. Uh, so we're going to crack <laughs> on straight away with the podcast. Um, okay, so, um, well, what an eventful week. We've had a loss against Orient, which was uh, very disappointing from 2-0 up. Even more disappointing now that we hear that half of the Orient squad may have been playing, suffering symptoms of a virus. But uh, there we there we go. We'll come to that in a minute. And then the Wimbledon game on Saturday, which was, uh, well, absolutely incredible, um, to put it bluntly. Took the lead twice, went behind by two goals and managed to still pull it back for a draw. Uh, only to obviously hear the news that I previously alluded to come out in the middle of the week. The AFC, um, not AFC Wimbledon, Leighton Orient, in fact, had a... As to quote the BBC, released the majority of their squad, which is incredible in itself. Uh, the majority of their squad test positive for COVID-19, meaning their game against Tottenham has been postponed. Argyle have currently sent off for testing and are awaiting results. Pretty incredible week for Argyle, both on and off the pitch. Um, let's start with Adam. What are your feelings on, on this week? There's a lot, to, a lot to go through, as you say. I feel like we could be sat here for an hour or so speaking about the Wimbledon game alone, let alone everything that, that's gone on gone on since um starting off with on the pitch obviously you know this well it was this time last week at time of recording that we were playing orient but around last week we were thinking you know how we were going to line up what sort of rotation we we're going to do hopefully still beat wimbledon beat orient then wimbledon and get into the third round of the cup for sparrows of course that looked pretty much fine and rosy 45 minutes in and then a second half of individual errors and panic and all sorts kind of threw that away completely and it's almost the pattern we saw from the defence in the Wimbledon game as well but that Wimbledon game I think kudos to to the attack and I'm sure we'll delve into more of it on both sides later on but to go as you say lead twice and then go 4-2 down and still manage to rescue something from it I mean you've got to praise the character of the team from that and you know I'd love to be able to say that it will serve them well going forward but of course it feels very hard to talk about the football at the moment when we've got the we're waiting 
awaiting results for um, a virus that could have infected a, a number of our players in the middle of a global pandemic. And speaking about that, and just as I did then, thinking I want to try and focus on the football first, is is very hard to do. It almost feels like you know, an afterthought, and that's not how it should be. And and particularly as, we, as we're trying just to, to have fun on a podcast like this, that's not how it should be. But it, it's the reality that we're now stuck in this situation through no fault of our own players, I'd have to say. And, yeah, I'm sure we'll come on to a bit more of that later, where there's a lot of uncertainty going forward. So whilst last week we were, we were planning just for a couple of games, this week we've got no idea what we're looking at, playing it by ear, and I'm sure the situation's going to change every single day. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll come on to the uh, the Orient situation a little bit more in a moment. But um, Finn, if you could give your thoughts then on, on the two games we've seen, the, the, uh, of the attacking and the defending as well. Very, very much a game of two halves in, in that respect. Um, what are your thoughts on it? Mm, yeah, I, I think um, in both games we look uh, really good um, in an attacking sense. You know, lots of players getting forward. Uh, lots of players... Uh, that are able to score goals, uh, which is nice. Um, you know, in previous years, it's almost been like Graham Carey or Bust or, you know, Ruben Ramirez or Bust sort of thing uh, to score um, uh, regularly. So, yeah, in, in that sense, it's good. But there, there's kind of a lot of patterns that were the same in those two games. And they are avoidable, but you kind of just think, not to be too harsh, are some of the players able to play the way that Lowe wants to play because there are a lot of reoccurring themes, um, particularly defensively. Yeah. Um, I think, I think with games like question, that, yeah. I mean, it, it's one of those where you, you look on the face of it, we've got a, a 3-2 and a 4-4. It's easy to like delve into it and say, well, obviously, attack great, defence terrible. There's a few more little bits and pieces to go to. I mean, that's the, the baseline of it. But one thing that I would keep in mind what's going on here. One thing I pointed out um, in writing about it just just after the final whistle in Wimbledon is that this feels very different to the last time we were in League One. When we had, and you know, there's positives and negatives to take from the game, but when we had the negatives in League One, it was generally because we've been set up terribly. People pass through our midfield like you know, with complete ease and develop chances, and we were creating nothing. That's yeah, you know, a much much bigger problem to have than what we'd have now, whether the setup and the system is generally all right. I mean, particularly going forward, obviously, we create a hatful of chances. Um, I, I, I thought we, we'd probably seen the height of it at the back end of the League Two season, but we're playing better opposition now and somehow seem to seem to almost be created even more. But um, at the other end, just with those um, individual errors at play, it suggests to me that it's not really a systemic failure that we're looking at. It's very much something where perhaps through Exactly, exactly. And the rustiness maybe of spending six months having not played much football, maybe getting back into the match fitness, I don't know. But I'm certainly not as worried as I was, you know, for example, in the middle of the 18-19 season, because I think even with the, the Blackpool game, these players have shown that at the very least they can do it. It's not a case that these players don't have the ability. They do. It's just a case of finding that consistency and, yeah, maybe playing a few games and getting back into the flow of things to, to get that going. But um, after the Blackpool game, we were talking about Mike Cooper being absolutely tremendous and a star is born was coming from quite a few places. Will Ameson, I think Nick gave a 10 out of 10. I gave a 9 out of 10. Sam, I think you might have given a 9 out of 10 as well. He was that good. Yeah. Um, Wooten, I mean, he's he's had his flaws, but I mean, we saw last season that he he can be a capable defender with the right support and in the right setting. So it's not as if we've just come into this system 
or, or this season rather with completely new players and they're not up to it. You know, these players in defence can perform and if we can cut out these individual errors, and I appreciate me sitting here saying it is, is a lot easier said than done, but that's the sort of thing you know, that the training counts for and the, the coaching's for. It's a lot easier to coach players to find a bit of, of, of consistency and cut out individual mistakes than it is to teach them a completely different system because your old one's failing. So I'd like to think that's a good sign and something that, that we'll, we'll be able to see a lot more of in a positive sense going forward with a few of those errors at the back cut out. Yeah, yeah. Like overall, I'm like really positive. Um, I mean, I I said to my my dad on Saturday, I said, a four-two with twenty minutes to go. That is that is the first time in years that I've said to my dad, like we can get back into this. Like I actually felt like that was possible. Um, and previously that hasn't been the case. So that's really nice to see. And yeah, exactly, exactly. Think of our goal years past, particularly during the Sheridan years. You can see the Ferris goal, and you're like, oh, well, we may as well go home. It's, it's a very different our goal that we seem to be supporting at the moment. And you know, in, in that sense, I mean, one thing you'll never be able to say about our goal this season, I'd imagine, is there's going to be a dull moment. Certainly doesn't seem that way. I, I would like to talk, because you said it wasn't a, a systemic failure, and although I agree with that, I kind of almost think that we're, particularly with um, with Frank Newblay at top at the moment, he, I was expecting him to be able to run in behind, but he looks much more competent as a as a target man, and I, I feel like we're kind of stuck in two minds uh, a bit at the moment, because I don't think the midfield that we're deploying, unless we play Camera um, in in place of Grant, and you're probably not going to play him in place of Mayer. But or McLeod for that matter. So in place of Grant, it's not um, tall enough to win the second ball. So when we're forced to do that, we often are caught in defensive transition because the midfield's trying to receive the ball, but it's too far up. Um, so when we are pressed, um, we kind of struggle to get out at the moment. And I think that's something I mentioned um, earlier in the week. Uh, it was... Yeah, it's something yeah. that I'm yeah. a bit concerned about. I think but... that's an interesting. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. Just to pick up on one of the things, um, <clears throat> I certainly agree. You wouldn't put Camera in in place of Mayer. Um, I think you'd be a very harsh man to drop Conor Grant after Saturday. He put in possibly his best game in an Argyle shirt. Certainly his best game in in a long while. He put in a fantastic performance and scored a brilliant goal. So I think it would be a very harsh man to drop Conor Grant. I'm not so sure McLeod's place is automatically safe. I think he's clearly a player of very good pedigree. Wigan fans liked him. Brentford fans liked him. I don't think he's done he's done great for us so far. I mean, you can look at systemic failure, yes, to a degree. But I, I think also you've got to look at the fact they have kind of come through the midfield a little bit easier than they maybe should have done on some occasions. Not may, not maybe to the extent of the bad old days of 18-19 where we just had a Songo and Fox in a tomb and getting overran terribly. But I think getting with McLeod... Yeah, I just think that there's been just a few occasions whereby he's not maybe trapped back quick enough. Whether it's the case that he's not fully fit, I don't know. Whether it's the case that he's simply not in a position he's comfortable with, I don't know. I wouldn't take his place in the team for granted. I don't think he's been as good as as good as he maybe can be for us so far. What I would maybe look at doing if you are going to put Camera in, uh, I've never seen Camera at the, in the deepest role in midfield. I've been reliably informed by Nick he was terrible there in the in the Norwich game in the checker trade. So I think what you would have to do is you'd either have to move Grant a bit deeper or you would change formation entirely to a 3-4-1-2 as opposed to a 3-1-4-2. Whereby you could have Grant and Camera in CM, but a little bit deeper than the CM role currently is. And then you would have Mare in the hole behind the two strikers, which would obviously effectively set us up a bit more defensively because you'd have two CMs dropping deep 
you've maybe got the hiccups, you'd have two CMs dropping deep rather than just the one. So I think that's an option. And I think that at the moment is what I would potentially incline towards doing is I would put camera in for McLeod and um, and just obviously push Danny Mayer up a bit higher and push Grant and Camera a little bit deeper. One thing yeah. I would one thing I would say is um, I, I'm not saying like that it's a, a systemic failure. Far from that. I just think there's a few things that we need to fix up, and they're very fixable. And actually, we've got a foundations of a very very good team if we can just fine tune what we're trying to do. Um, and to be honest, if we fine tune our team, uh, I think we should be looking at a very very comfortable finish with the potential to push on. You'd like to think so. Uh, I alluded to it before, but there's much nicer problems to have. It's much easier having that solid foundation of, you know, winning a draw in our first couple of games that's back in the league and thinking, okay, that's good. Where can we improve from here? Rather than losing those two and being like, oh God, how do we improve from here? So it's... It's a good place to be. I think, Sam, your your McLeod point, I, I, I do think is fair. Although, from from my point of view, at least, I think I'm, I'm perhaps being a bit lenient on him, on him by saying it's been a long time since he had football. Maybe when he's back up to speed, you know, we'll we'll be looking at the the McLeods that that Wigan and, and Brentford fans, you know, I hope so. saw saw. It would be it would be good, and obviously, you know, um, suit, suit the system nicely. But um, just on your point, Vin, about uh, Nublar and Kamara playing, I think what's good for us, particularly in that attacking sense, is that we've got those options. I think we saw the Argyle that played against Blackpool is very different to the Argyle that played against against Wimbledon. And it could be a case that rather than saying, OK, what's our best team? Let's field that and, and see what we do. That Lowe and the coaching staff can look for, can look at specific opponents and say, OK, do we need the sort of new play winning second balls influence that, against this team? Or can we go for the more technical grand and can we perhaps play Heidi and Jeff got up front if they're both fit? against them so it's it's one of those where as it, it, it it's a squad game and we've got the squad at least um in an attacking sense to, to to go forward and to be honest take games to most oppositions in this league so it's i i, I still think the main point in all of this is that it's those individual mistake and those little underlying um consistency issues that that need to be cut out before we think about anything else but at the same time the fact that we've we've got those options means there's at least you know, a, a discussion there about how best to use them and i think we're in a good position to do that yeah i think uh we actually discussed i think it was before the blackpool game wasn't it It was the first podcast we kind of done this season and we were saying how we look good in terms of um we've got lots of different options we can deploy for lots of different uh teams uh, potentially especially when you factor in i'm not sure when he's fit but the potential that we got ben reeves has another really good ball Close, yeah. uh, midfielder and then obviously like you said we can have Nublay and um kamara and i wouldn't necessarily drop um Nublay straight away for jeff got at the moment i don't think he's done too bad um but um yeah i think jeff Cott, if he's fit um soon he will come back in and then that kind of changes the dynamic a bit, even though he can hold the ball up, he's he's gets in behind slightly more. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about New Lake, Jeffcott, or Hardy. Let's not forget our top scorer at the minute in, in all competitions is actually Telford. Um, he didn't have a great game against Dorian. Um, he didn't have the worst game, but he did miss a, a one-on-one chance that would have put a 3 0 up, which was surely you'd think would have killed the game. So he would have been kicking himself all the way home to Plymouth after that. But he came off the bench, fair play to him against Wimbledon, 4 2 down. He put in an absolutely fantastic display. He got a goal and he looked really lively for the kind of 20, 25 minutes he was on. Really lively 
moved the ball well, got into dangerous positions, showed a poaching instinct. So I think to come on and do as well as that, you've got to see a case for Telford to start on Saturday. Now, if Jeff Cott is fit, Lowe said he's going to be a bit hit and miss for Saturday. Obviously, you've seen we have a game on Saturday, of course. But, you know, if, if Jeff Cott is fit and we do indeed have a game, I think Jeff Cott will probably start on the bench just because he's, he's coming back to fitness. Maybe you don't want to chuck him straight in for a full 90. Maybe you want to just give him 30 at the, 30 at the end if he's needed rather than the full 90. So there is that. Um, and then, obviously, I guess, I guess with that as well, you then have to choose between two of the three. Because Hardy was actually having a pretty good game against Wimbledon. I think he didn't score a goal. He's still yet to await his first goal. But he was playing well enough. And, obviously, Nuble, who mm, could be a bit hit and miss, but he certainly did better as the game went on. Uh, and, obviously, Telford, who came on and changed the game. or And, obviously, Jeff got. So, which out of those two do you drop? I mean, we've kind of looked at the pros and cons. Um, let's just say Jeff got is fully fit. Said he feels he's good to start. Which two do you play and which two do you drop? Start with you, Finn. Yeah, I mean, I think you got a case for Telford definitely there. Uh, I do feel I have felt sorry for him actually because he just hasn't had a run of games purely because he's been injured for the most of it. So he hasn't even had a chance to get in the uh, in the first team. And like when he was, he scored against um, Swindon on New Year's Day, and then he was injured straight after. So like when he when he's even when he scored, he's just been injured so maybe it's just a confidence thing for Telford and yeah I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to giving him a go but I do think uh, we're going to stick with uh, Newblay and uh, Hardy on, on Saturday Newblay and Hardy on Saturday what do you reckon Adam which, which two do you play which two do you drop it's one of those isn't it where it's incredibly harsh to anyone that you could make a case start. for any of the four couldn't you really? yeah Quite absolutely easily. absolutely I think for me I think if they are all fit and they are all match ready, because you know there's a, there's a difference between being available and being fully fit to go. But if they are, I think I think we're best with Hardy and Jeffcott up front, and I'd be I'd be very tempted to get those two back together and go. But you know, it it leaves us in a situation then where we've got Newblay and Telford on the bench, and there are, are much worse positions to be in than that, particularly because you know the way that both of them have scored late goals this season, we know they could both come on and change the game. So I think that's probably the way I'd go, but I wouldn't begrudge any of them a start, to be honest. Yeah, I'm, I, I think I'm probably inclined to agree with Adam. I think if Jeff Cott wasn't fully fit, I'd maybe go, um, I think I'd maybe go, Telf I think I would actually maybe go Telford and Hardy, because I think Nubla, he did improve a lot in the final third of the game, but in the first two thirds of the game, he was really nowhere much to be seen, I don't, I don't feel. So I would probably go Hardy and Jeff Cott, if both available. If Jeff Cott's not quite fit or if he's not fit enough to start, I would probably go Hardy and Telford. Because I think with that, you've still got Hardy as a slightly, a slightly taller option. He's a bit taller, a bit ganglier, a bit better on the long balls. Not obviously as good as Lublé is, but certainly more so than Telford. And those two could play each off, play off each other well. But it is a guy's dilemma to have. There's a lot lot of good players. Um, before we go on to the, the COVID side of things, obviously that's going to obviously potentially darken the... Uh, dark in the few weeks to come let's just talk maybe a little bit more about about the midfield um in, in a positive sense we've maybe talked about where the midfield could have some gaps plugged defensively but some great creativity on show from um Danny Mayer and Conor Grant both of whom had very good games and actually George Cooper got a goal and an assist and looked very lively certainly the best game we've seen from Cooper since he returned to the club I would say he's maybe yeah. a little bit underwhelming but back to his Cooper of his very best on Saturday Adam would you agree Definitely, definitely. I think what we saw on Saturday was the Cooper of last season, the Cooper that was yeah. well worth spending the money on. I mean, that finish for the, the, the first guy, everybody's talking about Colin Grant goal. That first Cooper goal was ridiculously good to find the top corner from the angle, from the, the dip he needs to get on the ball, the curve he needs to get on the ball was sensational. And obviously, you know, you've mentioned he was involved in 
in in the build getting himself an assist as well so yeah it it was a, a really good performance absolutely yeah, from an attacking sense at least from from cooper and i think connor grant as well as you say um i know i know you've got a connor grant based agenda and i'm going to completely buy into it for the next 30 seconds or so in mm. the way that um, yeah, you, you you don't need another word on it on his goal. It was it, it will be in in the end of season highlights for all two games in. It was that good. But again, uh, the way he picked out and the he and Telford linked for the equalising goal was fantastic too. And I think it it shows that. And Finn, you mentioned Ben Reeves. He's almost fallen by the wayside, but he's got brilliant pedigree to be that sort of creative midfielder in those positions as well. So it shows that as if we needed a reminder, I guess, that creativity yeah. and yeah, um, ability from the midfield going forward to create chances is not going to be an issue for us this season, that's for sure. No, com- completely. Um, Finn, any further thoughts, Brad, on that? I mean, yeah, I, just just quickly on the Conor Grant goal, I'd argue that that's probably the best goal we've seen in a season because the, the Danny Mayer goal that got goal of the season last season was was like was great, but I think... I think yeah, that that is certainly better. I, I would other, refer, I would other refer to Graham Carey another... at Blackpool as the best goal in any season. But I see your point. <laughs> the, the other goal in the last year or so is probably another Conor Grant goal, the one at Mansfield that was also pretty good yeah, as well. So he's good. got a screamer in his locker. He's definitely got, like that's what we we're saying. He's definitely got the ability. Um, I think even Lowe said he wants him to. Well, Lowe suggested he wants to, him to show it more consistently, and if he can do that, we certainly got. A, you know, a very, very, very capable midfielder at this level. Totally, totally. Uh, what, obviously, one more area before we before we go on to to what's the news breaking out of Orient. Actually, it kind of would be a bit remiss of us to mention it. What what what's our our thoughts going forward on Mike Cooper in goal? Because yes, he was fantastic against Blackpool. No denying it. But I think you can't deny. Ultimately, he has played now four games, competitive games. He was rested for the for the Norwich game. Um, he has conceded nine goals in those four games. I think of those nine, only in my opinion, and I will run through them very quickly, I'll see if Adam and Finn agree or disagree, only three could you say that he genuinely can't do a thing different for. QPR first goal, no, nothing that Keeper can do about that. QPR second goal, I think he can. Sort of gets a hand to it and it sort of goes through him. Then you've got, obviously, Blackpool, he kept a clean sheet. Great. Orient first goal, mm, he, he, you know, he comes for the corner, punches it, doesn't catch it. Maybe a bit of questions to be asked about that. Orient's second goal, I think it's definitely a, a pretty clear mistake. His positioning is way off. He's kind of neither off or on his line. He's in between and he gets lobbed and it's a goal. Uh, Orient third goal, um, not not so bad. But again, positioning is just a little bit wavered. It's kind of a bit um, betwixt and between. It's not really any, you know, any one thing or the other. I think you can do better there. So Wimbledon, first goal. Not you know, not a lot he can do. Good, good shot. Can't really reach it. Second goal, yes, very much so. I think his fault. It kind of goes to him. He kind of again sort of wavers on and off his line. Bit of a theme recurring, maybe. And and obviously Wimbledon score. Wimbledon's third goal, very good free kick. But you've got to look at his positioning for it a little bit. I think maybe even if he did position himself perfectly, I think it still probably goes in. But it's a little bit, little bit odd to see him as far to the right side of the goal as he was. Wimbledon's fourth goal, I don't think he can do a thing now. I think that's just a stupid mistake by Ames and leaves the one-on-one. So I think there are some goals that he's blaming us for, but there are also definitely some that he can do a bit better for. Now, is he a promising young keeper? Without a doubt. Is he, has he got a lot of ability about him? Yes, without a doubt. But is he is he maybe just a little bit too error-prone at the moment? Is, are we maybe ser- better served maybe at least thinking about getting him a loan deal? Or are we still going to dead set that we want to keep him as our number one? 
that's going to be the, the final football-related topic for tonight. Well, I'll start with Adam on this one. I mean, with what you say on the goals, first of all, I, I pretty much agree with your assessment on that. And you know, I don't think any of them, bar maybe the, the second QPR one, would you say were um, you know, completely his fault and completely you know, bad errors from him. But when you've got all of those goals there that he has conceded and he could have done better on a few of them, it kind of disappoints you that in the end they all went in. You think, oh, OK, yeah. well, you, you should have at least kept one or two of them out. But what I do disagree with is the idea that we should be looking to, to loan him out and that he's not ready as a result. When we went into this season, we you know, we all said, you know, it, it, let's give Cooper a chance. I think when it became obvious that Cooper was going to get that chance, the vast majority of us were behind it. I don't think any of us expected, to be honest, that that he would be keeping clean sheets and making flying saves every game. You know, it, it, It's not going to happen for someone that you throw in like that. They're going to make mistakes. And that's how, ultimately, you learn. If you don't make mistakes, if everything goes well, you don't learn anything. So I I would absolutely have unquestionably stick with Cooper for, for, for the games coming up. I think if he if he gets a run of games and, you know, yeah, OK, he, he, he might make a mistake or two more and that would be unfortunate. But next time he'll, he'll remember that and he won't do it again. So it's one of those where, you know, I, I, I can see exactly where you're coming from on the sense that, there's a lot, a lot of goals there that he should be doing better for. And if you've got a seasoned goalkeeper in there, like a, a Macy or a Leather, and you're probably looking at it and going, hmm, OK, well, maybe we should start thinking about this. But with Cooper, you're almost playing him for the potential rather than the ability he has now. Fair point. And if you if you do keep him keep him involved, as I, I'd highly advocate, advocate doing, um, those mistakes will, will start to cut out. Let's not forget, it's just over a week since that performance against Blackpool, where which was one of, one of the the best goalkeeping performances possibly outside of Alex Palmer that we've seen for, for a very long time. So it's it, it would be totally knee-jerk for me to now say, oh, well, maybe a League 2 or National League club needs to be where he's playing his football for the foreseeable future. I would absolutely stick with him. I would keep him in there. If he makes mistakes, I'd, I'd be disappointed in the heat of the moment, of course, but I think we need to keep supporting him. Uh, I, I believe, you know, based on the, the reviews from Lowe, from the youth coaches, from everything we've seen over the years, that he will come good. Yeah, that's a pr- pr- pretty firm stance. What do you think, Finn? Do you agree with that, or are you maybe more inclined to the loaning him out point of view? I'm uh, I'm actually quite reluctant to criticise him. Um, I think he's he's way too good to go out on loan to a national league club. Um, and I actually think if you if you keep him on a on the bench, there's no point keeping him on the bench. Um, again this season, I yeah, think I, I certainly, certainly agree with that. He gained the ex- he gained the experience last season from being in and around the squad like all the time, and you know would have learned off a very good goalkeeper in Alex Palmer and. And Lowe said himself, you know, he pushed him all the way. And it's just that Alex Palmer kept performing. Um, I, I think you've just got to give him some leeway. And, and he seems like a very confident lad. And I wouldn't want to... After after having um, players that have kind of broken onto the scene, scored a couple of goals and then not been seen again, I, I, I'd, I'd give him a, a proper go at, at being a first-team keeper. Um, because I think you've just... For someone of that potential, you've you've got to give them... You've got to give them time. And I think one of the important factors here is that, yes, when you, you look at the situation, you think, OK, well, conceding all these goals, maybe other teams knowing he's a young keeper are going to are going to go and target him. We saw that in the very first game with QPR, who liked to load the six-yard box at set pieces. We saw the Orient one where they, they 
took that corner right underneath his crossbar, punched it out, and they eventually went on and scored. And it's completely fair enough if people look at that and say, you know, I don't want that happening with my goalkeeper. I don't want someone there that, that can be targeted. I'd, I'd rather get someone else in. I can see why people would think that. But the way Cooper is going to be targeted and the way he's going to learn so much and pick up so much experience from this season being in goal is too good an opportunity for me to see Argyle pass up and say, okay, let's get someone a bit more experienced in. Because what's the worst that can happen? I mean, I know that could could turn out to be famous last words if we're in a relegation battle, but (laughs) the way that this season's gone, looking very good going forward, looking a little shaky at the back, I mean, I, 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 I don't think it'll be in trouble in either end of the table in truth at this point but i mean let's say say we are you know by the end of the season it may not be the case that okay we need to do this to benefit cooper in a few years it may just take a couple of months in the first team before he's rooted out those areas he's got that consistency and he's performing like he did against blackboard on a more regular basis so for me when you've got a player like that who you know is talented and you know can become even more talented and particularly in these times make the club quite a bit of money in the future if, mm-hmm. if that's the route we need to take it's too good an opportunity to miss and i as I say, I, I'd absolutely keep playing him. There's one last thing I'd like to say on the subject of the keeper, and that's, well, I haven't watched much of the youth team um, in recent years before, though, but I can tell you that we haven't played like this attacking football in, in years. So that would have gone through at the club. And I'm, I'm from the youth, from the reports that I've heard, you know, from the, from the Herald and whatever, you know, he's been making some, like amazing saves in in, the, in those youth games, re, uh, you know, over recent years, and there's just, there's almost a system change. If you if you park the bus and you're on the edge of the box for most of the game, and then you look to counter attack, your your focus is on your positioning the whole time because you you're you know you're camped around the edge of your own box. Whereas if you've got sixty percent of the possession and then you're hit on the counter, there's got to be a mentality change there that I think that I think takes time to learn for a go- for especially for a young goalkeeper if that makes sense yeah I, I think that is, I think that's a totally fair comment um the, the only slight counter and I'm not going to give a firm that I think he definitely should be out on loan the only side of the, the side of um sort of other side of the coin to that which I, I think may come into play I wouldn't loan him out immediately I would certainly give him you know a, a, you know a fair few more games but the only thing I think may come into play is obviously if he did come out on loan and did play very well obviously then you, you would still maybe get the benefit of him making money because he would then still be impressive and obviously it would still be us who, who would potentially receive a fee for him, but maybe obviously without the errors costing us in the meantime. That's not to say that's my definite view because obviously, you know, we all love to see young players do well and he clearly does have some very good games. Blackpool, I gave him a 9 out of 10 in the amount of match. So I would see how he does in the next uh, upcoming games against Shrewsbury and Hull um, and then may- maybe just look at reassessing it slightly from there. But you, you would hope it's just, uh, just you know, a few teething problems, a little bit of getting used to maybe, and, and it will come absolutely fine. That's my hope. But so moving on to the to the off pitch related news that we have, um, Leighton Orient, fan- what a fantastic uh, decision they made to decide to play against Argyle, not isolate their players because they, it has been reported in the Guardian. They did say that some players were actually suffering from uh, symptoms, feeling unwell before they... Well, actually, to be fair, I will correct that slightly. It didn't actually say suffering from symptoms. It simply said feeling unwell. But if you've got a lot of players feeling unwell in the midst of a global pandemic, I think realistic, you know, you, you can draw your own conclusions from that. So they decided to fill the game against Argyle with a number of players feeling unwell. They then had the following game against um, Mansfield on Saturday. 
Argyle then obviously went to play Wimbledon. So that's literally four teams who've had direct or indirect contact. And this outbreak of coronavirus in the Orient squad only became apparent uh, after it was clear uh, that uh, Spurs were going to play them in the cup, of course. And Spurs paid for their, paid for their testing uh, on account of um, football league clubs not making it mandatory anymore. So Spurs is the Premier League club, paid for their testing, and it has thrown up an outbreak of coronavirus in the Orient squad. Now, it's, it seems to me um, tremendously irresponsible that they would go ahead with that game against Argyle in the way they did with players feeling unwell. And certainly, obviously, um, the fact that it then developed onto the weekend game as well. Um, and obviously, this could result in a backlog of fixtures because we could be looking at the four affected teams obviously all having their games postponed on Saturday. Any thoughts on that? Go on, then. Go on, then. I mean, I... <laughs> it's, it, it's something that uh, across the last few hours, I've tried to shy away from... from mentioning too much i know even at the start of the podcast it was like well this this shadow is there and i'm going to try and avoid it and and, and struggle a little bit first in truth my my overriding feeling is that i'm angry i'm really genuinely angry that this situation has come to pass now it could be a thing that it's just broken today and it's a completely emotional thing and i don't particularly know who i'm angry at but let's look at the facts of it if what the Guardian has said is true, then that from Leighton Orient to line up players in the midst of a global pandemic, that the biggest health crisis that this world has faced in a century is complete idiocy to then line up as they have. It's complete idiocy to put their own players at risk, to put our players at risk, to put the players that they'll soon be playing at risk. And yeah, OK, maybe there's a few there that you know, will say, yeah, they're, they're, they're young, they're fit, they're going to recover. What about their, their their families, and what about the you know the the, the families of, of of their families? You know, this is how a virus spreads, and it's completely irresponsible if what Leighton Orient have done is have a few players feel unwell at the same time during a pandemic and gone, oh yeah, do you know what? We'll just go and play the game of football and say nothing. Ridiculous. Now it could be that there's a few more caveats to that. It could be a case that um they um went ahead and played because, as you said, EFL have not made testing mandatory anymore stupid because you know we're, we're in this situation as we mentioned in one of the worst health crises certainly in my lifetime and possibly my parents grandparents lifetimes as well and they've gone okay yeah well you can play football uh, a high contact physical sport but we're not going to test you for that virus that's going around we're only going to do that in the premier league stupid Am I perhaps angry at the, uh, the, at the government? I'm sure yeah. <laughs> it's turned into a rant, I admit, but I mean, will, will some of this be, be cut out? But if I look at the, the government's complete botching of the testing service that's maybe, you know, forced the EFL's hand on us to say, OK, if you're going to carry on with this, then we're not going to be able to test all the players because we can't afford it, or there aren't tests that are available. And when you put that together, it's this perfect storm of ridiculously irresponsible behaviour from somebody down the line that has caused us to be in a situation now where Argyle players, through no fault of their own, could be struck down with... Um, I mean, it's easy for us to look at it and say, well, they, they could be struck down, we may have to uh, um, postpone a game or forfeit a game or something. That's bad enough in itself, you know, the, the irresponsible behaviour on the sporting front. But, and I, I appreciate I'm almost taking your line here, Finn, but and from before the podcast, but Ryan Hardy's got a newborn. Now can a fan's diabetic. This sort of thing is exactly the sort of thing that needs to be avoided if football's going to have any credibility to carry on during a time like this. And to have that, be able to weigh up that, notice your players are unwell, and still go and play, whoever's fault it is, 
seriously needs to be punished for this and they seriously need to be made an example of because if this happens again and more teams then have to isolate and more teams then can't play their games not only is it going to become a joke in the football front it's going to be far dangerous that this virus is spreading more and more across the country again it's bad enough as it is so to oh. to do that and to to fail in such a way whether it is primarily at the door of orient whether it's the efl whether it's the government i don't know but what i do know is that i'm angry about it and i'm going to shout down this on a podcast today and get it edited out later that's my piece on it i don't think i can add much to that um really i only think i would maybe slightly say it is a bit of a it's a bit of a catch-22 with, with the mandatory testing side of it, because obviously if the clubs have to fund it, so many clubs are, are yeah. really financially impacted at the minute, obviously due to not having fans in, which is a whole new um, ballpark in itself. So that that's difficult, certainly. But it, yeah, I mean, certainly at the very least, even if you're not going to have mandatory, even if you're not going to have mandatory testing that the clubs pay for, where a scenario where you absolutely are entitled to a test is if you're showing any form of symptoms. So ultimately, that that mandatory testing line does not let Orient off the hook because if they still have players showing any form of symptoms, they should still have got their symptoms checked out. Well, so it this it, way, it's still tremendously responsible for for the Orient situation. If they came out and said. We can't afford tests at the moment, but um, we've got a, a cluster of players that are unwell and we're not going to be able to play this game. What do we do? I think a lot of people would be so much more sympathetic to that cause and say, mm. yeah, do you know what? Some things are bigger than this game at the moment. We can try and find a way around this and, and you know, see what we can do than they are now. I think uh, I may be saying this just for myself, but people are rightfully angry at what they've done. They could have handled that so much better if they you know, fronted up to it and said, yeah, do you know what? I don't think we're going to be able to play this. There's this issue. And I, yeah, maybe that's hard to do. But do you know what's harder to do? <laughs> um, play on when half your squad are isolating because of a pandemic. So that whether it's Orient, and I, I know I have to keep coming back to it and say, well, maybe there are caveats to, to the Orient situation. But whoever is to blame for this needs to have a long, hard look at themselves. Yeah, could, couldn't agree more. Um, any, any thoughts you want to add to that, Phil? I think Adam's covered quite a lot of it comprehensively. Do you have any Yeah, any sorry, I, sorry that I stole your point on that one earlier as well. It's just too good to miss. Yeah, no problem. Um, I mean, I'm going to deal in fact here. So that's factual. We know that uh, Niall Canavan and uh, Ryan Hart, Niall Canavan's diabetes and Ryan Hardy's newborn baby. That's what we know about. But we don't know about these players' private lives, who they... Uh, you know who their partners are, who they socialise with, who who then they socialise with, or who their partners are, who might have family, who you know, it just is an everlasting is an everlasting chain, and like you said, that's how viruses spread. If we if we don't come into contact with people, we don't catch the virus. But the fact is, the the world does, and not only that, it's not <laughs> it's not just having uh, being you know feeling unwell going and playing. It's also you're literally sweating next to each other. And, like, that, that is pretty much, like, that's the most dangerous, like, way of catching the virus, if that makes sense. It, it's just, yeah, it's it's completely ludicrous. And actually, yeah, like you said, Adam, I, I'm quite angry about the situation too, and I'm sure... I'm sure it's not just us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it it just does seem absolutely crazy. That, that's all I can really say about it at the moment. But we we can only hope that uh, 
uh, greater common sense prevails and that clubs learn from this and, and nothing like this ever happened again. And we can only hope that uh, by some miracle, um, no Argyle players or, or certainly, you know, from the point of view of getting the match across, if it is any, hopefully only a very small number and hopefully they're all doing well and not showing any symptoms. Uh, have, have obviously have obviously caught this virus from the Orient players and hopefully we hopefully we get a game to talk about at uh, the weekend and obviously but hopefully more importantly that, no, that nobody gets uh, seriously ill as a result of this so yeah, that's all we can hope for all we can hope for at this time but on on the presumption that we do um, get a game ahead on Saturday with either no or minimal absentees as a result of this scenario uh, what are we what are we thinking for the game on Saturday home to Shrewsbury Shrewsbury have not started the season particularly great one point from two obviously Argyle sitting on four from two Argyle at home. Would be favourites, I think, but you never know. It's a funny old game. Let's have our predictions for that one. Start with Finn. Yeah, I'm going to go for 3-1. Uh, I think we'll score uh, you know, more than a couple of goals and also I think we'll tighten up slightly. Um, yeah. Adam? I'll go for, presuming everyone's fit and, and ready to go, I wouldn't surprise me if we had another high score in one. I'll go for another 3-2 to our goal. Uh, so we had a 3-1 and a 3-2. Um, I think I'm going to agree with Adam, actually. I think another 3-2 as well. I think which would, which would be technically, bizarrely, lower scoring than either of our last two games. So which would, yeah, which would be a, a five-goal thriller that could be lower scoring. But I'll go for a 3-2 and then hopefully a slightly calmer end to a bit of a, bit of a hectic week. Well, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. We hope you uh, enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed making it. That was us here at Green and White. Um, we hope to be back next week, hopefully with a game to talk about. If not, well, uh, I'm sure we'll come and talk about something. But thank you very much, and nice facts. Good night. Good night. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.